0: Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about children, spirituality, and consciousness. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they are the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling with unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. Each week, I will be interviewing authors, philosophers, spiritual teachers, doctors, and many more about the wisdom children bring into this world and how we can transform our lives with this knowledge. I am thrilled to have as my very first interview Carol Bowman. Carol is a past life regression therapist, and she is a pioneer in the research for children and past lives. Her first two books, Children's Past Lives and Return from Heaven, have been published in more than 23 foreign languages. She has appeared on many TV and radio shows, including Oprah, Good Morning America, and the Discovery Channel. Carol has so much great information to share. We're actually going to do this in two episodes. So you will get to tune in to her interview next week also. Thank you so much for coming to the show today, Carol. Well, thank you, Marla. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's so exciting to have you. So how did you become interested in this topic of children and past lives?
1: It literally fell in my lap. And when my son Chase was five years old, he developed a phobia of loud booming sounds. We didn't know he had this phobia until we went to a fireworks display on the 4th of July and he became absolutely hysterical when the big booming sounds began. And I couldn't comfort him, I couldn't calm him down. I had to take him home. And um, I was really puzzled by that because it had never happened before. So as any mother would, I kind of wrote it off as, oh, you know, he had had too much sugar that day or was overly stimulated. But then a few weeks later we went to an indoor swimming pool for the first time. And as soon as we walked into the building, when people were diving on the diving board, it made this big booming reverberating sound. And again, Chase became hysterical. So I took him out of the building and I said, it's the loud noises that frighten you. And he said, yes. And I, I couldn't think of anything in his short life that would cause that kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. So as fate would have it, a hypnotherapist friend was visiting us in Asheville, working with a number of my friends doing past life therapy. And since he was a hypnotherapist, I thought maybe he could give Chase some post-hypnotic suggestion so the next time he was exposed to loud booming sounds, he wouldn't freak out as he did, become hysterical. He was due to start school in about a few weeks from then. So um, Norman Ng, the hypnotherapist, told Chase to sit on my lap. He was just a little boy at that time. and Norman told Chase to close his eyes and tell us what he sees when he hears the loud booming sounds that frighten him. And I was absolutely not prepared for what happened. Um, Chase started describing himself as an adult. He was talking in first person, present tense, crouching behind a rock, I'm a soldier. I have a, a long gun with a sword at the end and I'm scared, I don't know what's going on, there's smoke everywhere. And he, he described how he was shot in his wrist, and they took him, he said, to a hospital, but it wasn't like a regular hospital. He was familiar with big building as a hospital, and he said that it's just some poles with something covering it, and they put a bandage around my wrist, and they say I have to go back into battle, I don't wanna go. You know, at this point, I'm fi- trying to figure out what, where Chase got this, what was happening. You know, I was a stay at home mom. I knew what limited television he had been exposed to or movies, you know, Disney movies. And, you know, I, was, I really didn't know what was going on. And I was getting that goosebump effect on my arms. And he said, They bandage my wrist. They make me go back into battle. I don't want to go. I miss my wife and family. And that was the, the moment when I, I knew we were, you know, this is just something I, is it a past life, what is it? So he, um, Norman, who was very experienced in past life therapy with adults, just continued to have Chase talk and ask him open-ended questions, and well, what happened? And um, Chase said, I'm walking down a dusty road, there are chickens on the road, there's a big wooden wagon with big wheels pulled by horses, and there's a cannon on top of the wagon. And he said, they make me go by, behind the cannon. I don't want to go. I don't want to be there killing other people. So at this point, Norman intervened and he said, he, he kind of figured out we were in past life territory and mm-hmm. he knew how to help process this. So he said to Chase, um, we live many different lifetimes on earth. We play different roles like actors in a play. And sometimes we are soldiers. And sometimes we have to kill in battle, and sometimes we are killed in battle, but there's no blame. And I could see that Chase was responding to this. He was re- relaxing on my lap. And he said, they make me go behind the cannon. And all of a sudden he just opened his eyes and he jumped off my lap and went to play with his Legos. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was like, okay. And my daughter Sarah, who was nine at the time, Chase was five, five and a half. Um, said, Mom, that place where Chase said he was shot on his wrist, where he had clutched his wrist when he was injured in battle, she said that's where Chase has his eczema. And in the excitement at the moment, I completely didn't connect these two things, but Chase had had a chronic and severe eczema on that spot on his wrist since he had been a baby. And every night he would scratch relentlessly at that place and it got so bad that I had to bandage it so he wouldn't bloody the sheets every night. It it scratched so much that it would make it bleed. And we had taken him to several doctors for different treatments for, um, salves and elimination diet and homeopathic remedies. We tried everything, wouldn't touch that eczema. It just persisted. So the upshot of that 15 minute or so recollection was that, Chase's fear of loud sounds went away, we noticed shortly thereafter to the point where he asked for his first drum set, and what was most astounding to me was within a few days that eczema went away. Wow. Yeah, so that was the moment that changed my life and changed my focus, and I became a researcher, you know, in my limited way, just talking to other parents. This is in 1988. So it's pre-internet days. And I talked to local parents. My kids went to a kind of a, an alternative school in Asheville, you know, where they were open to this. And I asked the other parents if they had ever run into this. And I started collecting cases, you know, finding that, yes, other children had these memories. And I started reading more about the phenomenon, and I came across the work of Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia, who had researched children's spontaneous past life recall since the 60s. And I found one of his books through the University of Virginia Press. And it was kind of obscure, and it was not easy to find. It wasn't in the bookstores or in the libraries. And I saw that he had documented almost 2,500 cases of children around the world who had these memories that came up spontaneously. You know, in Chase's case, we kind of directed him to it and, you know, what do you see when you hear the loud sounds? But in these other cases that Dr. Stevenson had researched, the kids just talked about these spontaneously when they were very, very young, about up till the age of five. So, Because of my background, I had done a past life regression a year before this ever happened. I had no idea that children had these memories, but I experienced a physical healing through past life therapy when I accessed two lives in which I died from trauma to the lungs. And I had chronic lung problems in this life. And after that one session, my lung problems cleared. So... I was wondering if other kids had these memories and if, there, if other children had some kind of healing or parents got insight into their children through these memories. And that was the beginning of my research. So I used Dr. Stevenson's cases kind of as a, a starting point, a foundation for what I was doing. He never mentioned healing in all of his research, but he had seen patterns in the cases the very young age at which children talk about these memories. And he also said that most memories that children have involve traumatic death. And that's what I found in Chase. Apparently this war memory stuck with him because it was so traumatic. And over the next two years, um, Chase talked about his memory again. He was triggered during the First Desert Storm War when he went to second grade and they had ribbons all over the school. And when I picked him up from school, he was very upset. And he said, Mom, they don't understand what war is. And the images that I saw with Norman were coming up again. So by this time, I had trained him past life therapy. And I, again, asked Chase, you know, just tell me what you see. And he went back to the same scene. This is two years later, with the same detail. But since he was older, he had more language skills. And he talked about Signing up, he didn't know what he was signing up for. He said he was a free black man. Uh, How did he know what a free black man was? We, you know, we're piecing it together as the American Civil War, but he um, remembered the same detail about being injured in the wrist. But this time, he um, remembered going behind the cannon. He said he pulled a string. I I didn't know you pulled a string on the cannon, you know, okay, whatever. But he said. Next thing I know, I'm above the battlefield looking down, and there's smoke everywhere. And I'm glad to be out of that life. And I said, Is there anything you need to do? He said, I need to say goodbye to my family. And these are his words as a seven year old, not prompted by me. He had not read Raymond Moody's book about near death experiences. I certainly hadn't read it to him. So he was having a, you know, kind of a near death experience. He was looking down and, um, said I want to say goodbye to my family I never got a chance to say goodbye and he said and when you're in spirit these are his words you can travel around freely and he said I just said goodbye to my family they'll be okay I can leave now and I said um what did you learn from that chase and he said everyone has to experience war it's a bad thing but you learn how others feel what it's like to be in that situation and I I I sense that he was saying as the, as the man who was shot, but also those who have to shoot at others. Right. So he said it balances everything out. And it was like, this is coming from a seven year old, but you know, it was not chase. It was his soul coming from his soul's consciousness outside
0: of the body. Did you find that there was a maturity to his voice when he was talking about these things?
1: Not a maturity so much, you know, it was, Still, Chase's voice, but in a very matter-of-fact tone, like right. you know, this is just what I'm experiencing. Um, it, his voice didn't change. You know, it wasn't yeah. boogie. It was just right. Chase's voice saying these very, you know, cosmic, talking about these cosmic.
0: Yes, and that's what I meant. Yes, 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 yes absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, this higher understanding. You know, which you know, kind of blew my mind that it could come uh, from a seven-year-old.
0: And in 1980. 1990 by, by that time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, well, how blessed he is and was that have a mom that knew a little bit about this. I'm and just set up? Just dismiss it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It was
1: orchestrated because I had my regression. I had no idea children could have these memories and then chase uh. these experiences. Because of my training, my own experience, I understood how these memories can heal right how they're important you know you don't want to dismiss them so it's total cosmic setup that you know it was orchestrated the timing was perfect for me to understand what was happening with chase and to the second time to guide him through it but it Mm -hmm. wasn't much necessary you know he just acknowledging the memory he kind of ran with it and you know went through the death experience which what I know from doing past life therapy for over 30 years with adults is that you can process this after the past life death. It is like a virtual near death experience.
0: Right. Right. And I know you talk in your book about the Tibetan book of living and dying and how it's so similar. These stories, um, the way that they describe it in that just beautiful book, kind of my Bible, you know, and it's it's just amazing.
1: I love that. I like the. I found the original. You know, I was when I was like twenty years old, and
0: right. Yeah. Well, that brings yeah. another question. Were you? I'll just use the word spiritual, kind of general. Were you religious or spiritual? Or before this happened, before Chase told, the, or do you ever thought about the afterlife?
1: Um, I was absolutely not religious. I learned very early on that religion divided people from my perception from my personal yes. experience as being Jewish in a very small town you know being one of the few Jewish families and kids were very mean about it mm-hmm. but you know that kind of turned me off to organized religion you know I I know people find solace and God through religion but my path was a little different I had an experience when I was in college where I was sitting on a beach and I just had this cosmic awareness that there's something in us that doesn't die. And that led me on, you know, a search. And I found the Tibetan Book of the Dead shortly thereafter. And I started reading about Buddhism and Hinduism. And of course they talked about reincarnation. But it was more I had my own experience, but it was more still reading about was a philosophy. You know, I didn't see any practical applications for this until I had my regression and then saw what happened with chase oh,
0: and, and your little girl, both of them. right? Oh, wow. right. wow.
1: And I, I don't even have time to talk about that.
0: But, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I well, let's talk chase about, yeah. I would like for you to talk about, first of all, I, it's so beautiful that you took it a step further and was really interested in the healing aspect of this because it's so, it just so mind blowing of what this could do for humanity And, um, can you tell us about Blake? I know he was one of your,
1: um, i want to add something about healing. Not only is it healing for the child, if you help them navigate this memory, especially if they're remembering a traumatic death, but the parents' lives are changed in witnessing this. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's coming from a two or three year old, you know there really isn't any other explanation than this is their experience their memory in which means there's a continuation of consciousness after death Right.
0: Yeah, I was going to um, comment on this a little bit later but a quote from your book that a mom said this and it was in the soul weaving chapter my favorite chapter of your return from heaven and The young mom said here was this incredible wisdom coming from a two-year-old barely out of diapers how could I deny what happened? It was real and nothing a two-year-old could come up with in his imagination. It went far deeper than that, far deeper than anything I've ever been taught or could ever imagine. Yeah, isn't that
1: beautiful? beautiful? I mean, it's, it's so concise, it's, but it's real. You know, it gives me goosebumps hearing it because with all the cases that I wrote about and heard, I've heard about, you know, it's just, I still get the goosebumps. It's yes. so profound. You know, it's, it's just more confirmation that this is real and that there is a personal consciousness that survives death, which is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. just a concept or a philosophy. It's very real. And there's a practical application, too, in helping, you know, both adults and children heal their past life traumas.
0: How has this research made you walk in this life differently we definitely will get to more stories because the stories are just mind-blowing but yeah I, I don't know I think I've been immersed in it so long it's
1: you know it's like oh I just take it for granted but <laughs> which is but you know I still have a, a, a certain level of fear about death or loss I don't think you can go through life not having fear about loss mm-hmm. for your own death but I, I certainly, you know, even with that, with the human emotions, I'm still, you know, but there's something more. Right. Yeah. Right. But, you know, if it can help us to realize that, you know, there's so much more to us, you know, this reality, this body.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know,
1: and that a part of us doesn't die. A part of us continues in some form, but some... Form that's recognizable, which is crazy when you think about it. How can that even be? And I can't really explain how it can be right. But it is right.
0: So tell us about um, The story about Blake. I found that to be a fascinating story so I
1: Was collecting cases. This is you know early on and I was developing this model and in, in my head, you know, like, oh, okay well a lot of these memories, according to Dr. Stevenson, are about traumatic deaths. So in Chase's case and in my daughter's case too, which I don't have time to talk about today, um, once they talked about their past life and these lives were acknowledged and they could talk about them freely and express any emotions involved in remembering their deaths, it really helped them. And I thought, well, why can't parents assist their own children, if the memory is coming up spontaneously, to help them let go of this trauma if they are troubled by the past life memory. Not all children are troubled by past life memories. Some are benign memories, or pleasant memories, but with the ones that are still troubling, you know, I saw with my kids that you can talk them through it. So um, I was, all this was going around in my head, but I don't really have any way of testing it out until I got a phone call in a response to an ad I put in Mothering Magazine, um, which, you know, we're back in the pre-internet days. You know, I put a little reader ad in the back, and your child talked about a past life memory. And a woman from the Chicago area, Colleen Hawkin, called me and said, I have to tell you my story about my son, Blake, who right after he turned three, or right before, around the age of three, he was standing near the front door and his older brother was getting ready to board the school bus. And he said, he yelled out to his older brother, get out of the street bus coming and Colleen ran to the door. And when she got there, um, Blake got his hand on his ear and he said, ear hurts. And, um, she said, well, what happened? Um, hit by truck. And she was trying to figure out what was going on. Small truck, big truck, you know, thinking maybe a little kid had hit him with a toy truck at preschool. He said, No, big truck. And she remembered she'd seen Brian Weiss on the Oprah show a couple days before, and he made one remark saying that sometimes children talk about their past lives. That was about it. But all of a sudden that insight kicked in and she started asking him, Well, what happened? He said, the truck went over me, the truck ran me over, and he kind of put his hand down the left side of his body. And she said, well, what happened? She, he said, I saw the wheels under the truck. And then what happened, asked Colleen, um, man took took me in the truck to school, but Colleen thought, well, any big building to Blake was a school because he hadn't, he didn't know about hospitals. And then she said, Well, what happened? Um, she said, Where were your parents? And he said, Mommy went bye-bye at the store. And she said, Well, what happened? Did you did you die? He said, Yeah, I died. <laughs> so she, she wasn't really prepared for that. <laughs> sure, sure she wasn't. <laughs> So, um, you know, she wanted to just stop the conversation. She didn't know what to say. And um, she, well, you know, she stopped the conversation and she was hoping that Blake would forget about it. But a few weeks later, he saw a big garbage truck on the street and he said, that's like the truck that hit me. So again, Colleen really didn't want to start the conversation again because she didn't know what to do. I guess it was a few months later, they went to London and uh, they were at a very busy intersection in the street and Blake was in a stroller and he all of a sudden jumped out of the stroller into the path in oncoming truck. And fortunately her husband grabbed him by the collar and pulled him back and she was just beside herself. And all of a sudden she started wondering Could this have anything to do with what Blake said about being hit by the truck? Is he thinking he needs to repeat this or something? And she was, didn't know what to do. So she, timing is everything. She saw my reader's ad in Mothering Magazine and called me. So I thought, okay. She said, should I take him to a therapist? She also said, which I forgot to mention, since that happened in the interim, since he first talked about it and this incident with the stroller where he jumped out, um, he became depressed, and he would complain about aches and pains on the left side of his body. So she would try to comfort him and say and try to massage him, and he would push her away and said, "Just go away." But his personality had changed. She she said he was the happiest, smilest most smiley kid before this happened. And then he became depressed and she figured, oh, well, you know, he has an older brother. He has a younger brother. He's the one in the middle. I'm not giving him enough attention. And she was considering to take him to a therapist. And I said, well, wait, you know, this could be past life. And she was coming to that too, but she didn't know what to do about it. So I said, and I was saying this, kind of going by the seat of my pants, because this is the first time I had counseled anybody about what to do and I said wait until Blake is relaxed when you're alone with him and first acknowledge what he was saying you know say you know tell him you understand that he was hit by a truck but he's now safe in a new body and that you will protect him because it seemed that the residual issue could be his mother wasn't there when it happened you know, from what he had said about mommy going bye bye at this, and her, him pushing his present mother away. You know, there was something going on there. So, um, Colleen, uh, you know, it sounded weird to her, but she, you know, what am I going to do? I'll try this, and she. Within a few days, she waited. You know, Blake was going to sleep, and he was calm, and she was next to him on the bed, and she said, "Remember when you were hit by the truck?" And he said, "Yes." And he said, well, you had a different mommy then. And she said, all of a sudden his eyes lit up. And he said, another mommy? She said, yeah, I would never leave you. You know, I protect you. And you're now in a new body. You're back here with us. And she named all the people in the family, named his brothers and cousins to ground him in present reality. And she said, he just lit up. She said she could feel something shifting. And from that point on, you know, over the next few days, he was back to his smiley self. And she said he never complained about the aches and and pains in his body again on the left side of his body where he said he was hit by the truck. So she called me and she said, I'm going to write to Oprah. I said, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that was everyone was doing that. uh, Yes. Yes. Anyway, I said. Well, wait until I write my book. I knew I was going (laughs) to write a book at some point. Yeah, I was joking. I didn't didn't know if that was ever going to happen. Right, right. And um, so this was in 94, 93. It was in 93. Wow. She did write a letter to Oprah, and a year later, a producer found it and said, is this true?
0: And (laughs) And I know know you were on Oprah, too.
1: Yeah, and and Colleen was on talking about Blake's story, and I had some other mothers, too, who yeah, it was a little premature, you know, it was like <laughs> that was my first public speaking game. <laughs> I, well, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would rather have died than done that, but I did it. <laughs> thanks to Oprah, it came out fine. And the kids, had, my kids talked about their memories and none of the other children, young children were interviewed, but the mothers talked about their experiences.
0: I think this is a great place to wrap up this episode Carol, thank you so much for this amazing information today. And if you would like to learn more about Carol and her work, you can visit her website at B-O-W-M-A-N.com. And Carol, we will look forward to seeing you next week for another amazing interview and to talk about your book, Return from Heaven.